Okay, we've chosen for last week and another couple more weeks to do a study on Passover. So you already heard it all today, right? You got it all figured out. Right? You all good? Got it all figured out. Last week you had a little introduction. Today you got all the answers. Well, let's throw a couple more at you, shall we? <laughs> you remember that Passover was a meal established in Egypt. Moses as he's trying to get the people free. Uh, finally, God says, all right, don't worry, go home, get this Passover meal ready. I'm gonna take the lamb and kill it, put it on the doorpost, and get yourself together. We're leaving town tonight. And of course, the death angel comes, passes over the blood, and goes to the other houses, and all the firstborn in Egypt die. And so they ate their meal, standing up with their shoes on, ready to go, and they're out the door. And so that's where the Passover began. Now, as we said today, Passover was a huge celebration. And in Jerusalem at Jesus' time, people came from all over. We got people from Rome, people from Greece, people from Africa, and the Bible's mentioning these people who all come to uh, Passover. It's like the celebration, the one to go to. And I'm sure a lot of these people not only were not Jewish, but maybe could care less about religion. But boy, you want to go to that. You ought to go see it. It's spectacular. And so <clears throat> if somebody, you know, we have Christmas. I like to compare it. If somebody... Uh, asked you and said, why don't we just cancel Christmas? Why don't we just not have it? We don't need it. <laughs> you know they wouldn't get by with that here, right? You know. But, you know, you think about that. Is that possible? Would somebody really say, let's cancel it? We don't want it. I don't want to do it. And you think, you say, well, there's probably people in the world that would be happy without it, right? Uh, but uh, that thought, you think about it, who would cancel Christmas? What kind of people would it take to cancel Christmas? Now, when we go through the Bible, the history of Passover is that is exactly what happened. People say, we don't want to do that anymore. We don't want to celebrate Passover anymore. And it would just go away. It would stop being recognized as a holiday. And uh, Exodus chapter 12, and we looked at this last week, and it's particularly important today for what we're about to look at. Exodus chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 14 God is explaining to Moses how Passover works. In Exodus 12, 14, This day shall be unto you for a memorial, or you can always remember, you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. So you pass it on from family to family. You shall keep it as a feast by an ordinance forever. Passover, God said right in the beginning, it's going to last forever. It's going to last forever. So it's clear to us that the Passover, that 
Moses set in order and that they practice right up to the time of Jesus uh, was not to end there. Jesus changed it to communion, and we call it communion, and that service that he created is to go on and on, and that's the church. So we got the Jewish state practicing Passover. Jesus says, okay, now it's going to be the church's job. They're going to carry communion. But how long is that going to last? Forever. Which means you're going to have communion somewhere else. Heaven. So the first thing that happens when we get to heaven is a great big huge party called the marriage supper of the Lamb. What do you think it is? It's passed over all over again, only now up in heaven, where everything is spectacular. So the whole concept of getting together and eating a meal is going to start right over again up in heaven. And so it is going to be forever. This concept will last forever. However, we come to times in the Bible where it just disappeared, gone. Who's celebrating Passover? Nobody. We don't do that. We don't want to do it. Now, the first time is what I would call a revival. All right, somebody came along and said, you know, we've got to start this all over again. We need to get this going. And it's Joshua. And those of you who were with us on Tuesday night will remember this. In chap- Joshua chapter 5, in verse 10, The children of Israel come under Joshua to the Jordan River. They cross the Jordan River into the land of Canaan or the promised land. Verse 10, the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal, kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, even at the plains of Jericho. They did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes, parched corn in the same day. And so, under Joshua, they're going to restart Passover again. So, Joshua will be one of the ones that does a revival bringing back Passover. Now, the question is, where did it go? Why did it stop? And this is, this is kind of really uh, shocking. Numbers, numbers. Chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14. Those Jews were led by Moses out of Egypt. They saw the plagues come on Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They drank water from a rock. They ate manna from heaven. And they went to Mount Sinai, and God was on top of Sinai, smoking fire. And then they went over to the promised land. We're going to go into the promised land. And uh, the spies came back and said, I don't know. I don't think we can do it. We can't get in there. Big giants in there. We can't go into the promised land. In Numbers 14, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. 
And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, the whole congregation, and said unto them, Would God we died in the land of Egypt, or would God we died in this wilderness? Therefore hath the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain. Let us return unto Egypt. Those are the same people that came out of Egypt, right? Those are the people who left, saw all the miracles, experienced them all. They get to the promised land. We can't go in there. It's too hard. We can't do it. We're going back to Egypt. So you think they're going to celebrate Passover? Thank God for getting them out of Egypt. They just said, we want to go back. So God, he's fed up right to there. And God gets fed up with certain things. And that's why this study is particularly important. Something God, that's it. I'm done. God was done with it. Because he said, here's what's going to happen to you. I'm going to lead you out in the wilderness. And for 40 years, you're going to run around until you're all dead. I want you all dead. And then we'll take your children in. Because I am sick of your complaints. The reason they stopped celebrating Passover because Passover is thanking God for leading us out of Egypt. They were actually the people that got let out and they stopped celebrating Passover until they were all dead. And then Joshua said to their children, let's get that started again, shall we? Let's thank God again. And one of the things that God just can't put up with his complaining. The spirit of complaining is just not good. And uh, <clears throat> sometimes I listen to people and I think to myself, all they ever do is complain. That's all they ever do. All their conversation. And you ask yourself, what percentage of my conversation is complaint? What percentage of it? And I listen to people sometimes, that's all I ever hear is complaining. I sit down, they'll talk for half an hour, complain for half an hour, and say, have a good day. <laughs> yeah, you too. Have a good day. How much do we complain? It's the killing nature. It goes against the spirit of Passover, which is to thank God and remember the wonderful things God has done that killed the first whole group that came out of Egypt. And they didn't celebrate Passover wandering around. The, they're not going to say, oh, thank God he brought us out of Egypt. And then we're, we just buried you in the sand here and, and until you're all dead. And so there's certain things that it's just like saying, let's not have Christmas anymore. We don't care if Jesus came. All right, it's just the passage. We don't care. We got out of Egypt. Eh, we don't care. We're not going to celebrate Passover. So that was the beginning of the celebrations of Passover. It should have been right there. And they didn't do it as they wandered around for 40 years until they died. So complaining is a very powerful Thing to destroy the spirit that God wants in his people. 
Passover was to be, thank God, we're free. Thank God we escaped. And thank God, and thank God, and thank God. And all they did was, we don't like the taste of manna. We're sick of it. We want birds and quail. So God sent a flock of quail in and said they were dead uh, three feet on the ground. So many of them. You know how long it takes for that stuff to rot? I used to shoot those birds, and you've got to almost get them in the field and get, them, get the guts out of them. And this says they ate the quail until they choked on it. God said, there you got what you wanted. Is that what you wanted? And they died. And so the complaining nature of these people, they complained about everything. They complained Moses is in charge, and we should be. Yeah, that would be great. They complained and complained and complained. And so that's really a warning to all people. Uh, it, it spoils the thing that God wants to accomplish in us by giving us holidays. He says, there's a holiday. So you remember and you rejoice. And they complain their way right out of it. Let's go to the next one. Second Chronicles chapter number 33. Now once again... They stopped celebrating Passover. They didn't do it anymore. And here's what happens. <coughs> the reason they weren't celebrating it. Second Chronicles 33, verse number 20. Manasseh, he was a king of Israel, slept with his fathers. They buried him in his own house. Ammon, his son, reigned in his said. Ammon was two and twenty years old. When he began to reign, reigned two years in Jerusalem. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh, his father. For he sacrificed all the carved images which his uh, father had made and served them. So this guy takes over as king. He does everything bad he can think about and worships idols. He lives two years. His own servants killed him. And chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he begins to reign. He reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. He did which was right in the sight of the Lord, walked in the ways of David his father, declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. So this boy takes over as king. He's eight years old. Go over in the house, get me an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> Say, you're in charge. <laughs> you think, how's he ever going to do it? How's he ever going to? I'm sure he had a helper along the way because at eight years old, you'd need one. But verse 3, in the eighth year of his reign, so now he's 16. Let's go get a 16-year-old. <laughs> While he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. And the images that were high above them, he cut down the groves, carved images, the molten image, he break in pieces, made dust of them, strewed it on the graves of them that sacrificed to them, and he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And he didn't leave no stone unturned. There is an altar where we worship Baal. And there's a big stick in the ground next to it, big pole, Asteroth pole, he said, I want it cut down. I want that. Smash that altar. Well, we'll break it. No, I want it ground into powder. 
Okay, so he grinded down, and there's nothing left. And he said, these people who are buried here used to worship it. Burn on top of there. So he takes everything and burn on top. And there's, there's where the old priest was, where he'd dig his bones up. Well, burn his bones right with the fire. This guy means business. He's 16 years old. He says, I'm getting rid of this. I want it gone. And he wipes out Baal worship from Israel. Now, you have to know what that's all about. Baal was considered a male deity. Astaroth was the female deity. Uh, Baal, they said, was the sun. Astaroth was the moon. And basically, uh, if you want your crops to grow, you sacrifice to Baal. And your crops will grow. And your animals will all have babies and you'll have thousands of sheep because Baal will bless all of that. And it becomes to them, uh, what Baal likes is we can take babies and burn them. He likes that, so we'll do that. And then uh, Baal likes to have prostitutes in his place, so make sure the place is full of them. And it became that kind of culture where sex is everything. That's it. Sound familiar? Ever see that? Sure, we got the same thing. It goes on in America places all the time, and it's everything. And when that happens, uh, people are at a real low. And so they're worshiping Baal and killing babies, and just everything is prostitution all over. And uh, old, young Josiah comes along destroys it all. And what does he say? Chapter 35 in verse 1. Moreover, Josiah kept the Passover unto the Lord in Jerusalem. And they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. And so uh, we have culture. Josiah has a revival because of an evil culture that he's able to knock down and destroy. It's time, and he says, all right, we got rid of all that filth. Let's have Passover. Well, this guy really gets it. Some people really get it. They know how to serve the Lord. And his, he's 16. He really knows how to do it. And look at verse 7. Josiah gave to the people of the flock, lambs and kids, all for the Passover offering, for all that were present to the number 30,300 bullocks. These were the king's substance. So he says, I want everybody to have Passover. I'll supply the lambs. How many? Well, you're going to need 30,000. I got that. Here, here's my lamb. King says, take them home. How many? Well, how many do we need? There's a lot of people. 30,000? Yeah. He gives, and his princes gave willingly to the people, priests and the Levites, Hilkiah and Zechariah and Jehiel, rulers of the house of God, gave the priests for the Passover offering 2,600 small cattle and 300 oxen. So pretty soon the priests are jumping in. Hey, we got stuff. Let's all, I want every household in Israel to sit down to lamb dinner tonight for Passover. I'll foot the bill. Beautiful. He's really got it together. Here's a people who, through evil culture in their society, had no idea what to do. 
And he says, we're going to return to what God said, Passover, start it up again and get it going, and we'll have Passover again. And they celebrated Passover under King Josiah. And it was verse 18, there was no Passover like it kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet, neither did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept and the priests and Levites. And so he, he made the best Passover that ever was up till then, right there for everybody. And so he's feeding people from his own flock so that every family can go home and worship God and eat a lamb. That's how it works well. Right, that's what helps a lot. Now, we get one more in the book of Ezra. All right, Ezra. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, in case you've never heard of that book before. Ezra, chapter 6. Well, you know, I hope, the story of Ezra. They're captive in Babylon. And Babylon falls, and the next kingdom comes, uh, and uh, uh, Cyrus says, you know, why don't you guys go home? We'll let you go home. Why don't you go back and build Jerusalem? Here's some money. Go do it. And so they go back and they build Jerusalem under Ezra. And he's, the, he's a scribe, actually, uh, a priest, a scribe. And uh, they go back and they're going to uh, build again the temple. So they start building the temple and get it going. And in Ezra chapter 6, verse 19. The children of the captivity kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. For the priests and Levites were purified together, all of them pure, and killed the Passover, all the children of captivity, for their brethren and priests and for themselves. And so uh, they finally return home. It's been 70 years since anybody had Passover. When they left taken captive from Jerusalem, and they're carried off to Babylon, no Passover. Now they finally get home again, and Ezra said, let's have Passover. Why don't we do that? Let's have Passover again. And uh, the attitudes are really written out very clearly for us why that happened. Psalm chapter number 137 Here's why they didn't have Passover. Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For they that carried us away captive required of us a song. They that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the songs of Zion in a strange land? So they carried these people captive. And they said, you know, we know you guys are good singers. Sing us a song. What kind of song? You got those songs about Zion. Sing us a song of Zion. We can't sing them songs. And it says they took their harp and hung it up on a tree. We're not singing. 
Why? Because they're in a captive land, in a strange land. Uh, they're in the wrong place. All right? Well, sometimes we're in the wrong place. We get to be in the wrong place. Ezra says, well, we're back in the right place. Time to start singing again. Time to start. And when they finally got home, in Psalm 126, a couple pages back, tells what it felt like to go home again. And the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. We were like them that dream. They said, we got home, back to Jerusalem, and we said, pinch us, we're dreaming. It can't be here. We've been 70 years in the wrong place. We're finally in the right place. Pinch us. We think we're dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. And they said among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. They came back home. They got in the right place. And sometimes, my friends, we're in the wrong place. We're just in the wrong place. We need to get back to the right place. We get in the right place, and then we're ready to celebrate and sing again. Like he said, our mouth is filled with laughter, our tongues with singing. So we have three times in history where, at least three times recorded, where uh, Passover just disappeared. First reason was complainers, people who could do nothing but complain. And God said, I don't want to hear your voices complain anymore. Sick of it. And so they didn't celebrate Passover until they all died. And Joshua restarted Passover with their children. Josiah, who lived in extremely evil culture, was able to smash it and grind it to powder and burn the bones and get rid of it. Let's get rid of this cultural disaster cleans it up, and then they can go back to Passover and celebrate it again. And Ezra, whose people were in the wrong place, said, we can't sing where we are, hung up our harps. He said, get us back home. We're like we're dreaming. It feels so good. Time to celebrate again and enjoy God. All right? And so the Passover through history was always meant to be a joyful celebration. And there's times when it just stopped. Stopped being a part of the celebration, all right? And uh, part of the, the uh, powerful work of the apostles in the book of Acts was this new thing, communion. And they say, hey, we're going to have communion. Where is it? It's over at our house. Come on over. They had communion in their houses, it says. They had communion all over the place. They were having communion everywhere. And in the book of Acts, when the church goes from 12 disciples or 120 in the upper room to 2,000 in a day, 3,000 the next day, a week later it's to 5,000. That's a very growing concern, isn't it? Because they're celebrating Passover, Jesus' way, or communion, and it's powerful. It goes and goes goes. Has it stopped in history since? Yeah, there's churches that kind of changed it and it kind of died. But 
always the revival, no, nothing quite like the Methodist people. Methodist people came along, and it was there was time when it was illegal to sing in church in England. You can't sing in church. What's the matter with you? <laughs> so the Methodists said, hey, hey, watch us. And they went out in the field and sang. They went in the barn and sang. And they were holding services in the fields and in the barns and all over. And their services were marked by three things. Intense, joyful singing, direct Bible preaching, and communion. Come, we'll take communion together. That was the founding of the Methodist Church where they brought it back to life again. They made things. Well, I got to talk a long time about that, but I got to stop. I'm out. Thanks. We'll go on more next week. <laughs>